Welcome to another episode of Screen Run. I am your host, the Lady Wan, and I'm here with... Walrus, yes. <laughs> Hashtag walrus, yes. <laughs> trying to keep it real for the kids. It's Chris Galzo. Hi. <laughs> Uh, Screen Run is the show where Chris and I discuss the works of one artist per season, and this season is all about Kevin Smith. Episode 11 is Kevin Smith's 11th film. Why was that so hard to say? Tusk. Always be sober what you do drunk, and it'll teach you to keep your mouth shut. Hemingway said that. Yes, he did. And he said it to me. To go to Canada tomorrow for the podcast. It's what I do. I travel around and I interview weird or interesting people. So look out, you crazy Canucks! Wandering Wallace <laughs> takes a raunchy road trip up to the Great White North. Hello, I'm an old man who has enjoyed a long and storied life at sea, and after eons of oceanic adventure, I know I do not wish to spend my remaining years alone while I have such stories to share. How far is Bifrost from here? It's about two hours from here. It's about two hours away. I hate American guys. Good evening. It's nice to meet you. Could I interest you in some tea? So what happened after the boat sank? I was alone, and then something very swift and frightening moved by me. A walrus saved your life? The walrus is far more evolved than any man I've heard of. Present company included. Thank you. You're welcome. Would you? Would you? There, there. It'll be all right, Mr. Tuff. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> I can't remember if we talked about it on air or off air about your affection for films where there's scarring and body sewing of things wounds and... freak me the fuck yeah. out <laughs> this is the movie for you oh god it's so so challenging to watch alone and just uh... <laughs> just imagine human centipede but warmer and cuddlier uh, so what happens is... in tusk boss <laughs> oh nothing 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 much just uh just, you know, podcasters be podcasting. That's a good point. Like, it's a good thing that neither of us have a show where we go interview people because I think this is inevitably what would happen to one of us. I mean, Maybe not a walrus per se. I'm, I'm frightened of humanity. <laughs> if you had to be sewn into a particular animal and become said animal, what would it be? Like, if you had to choose one, what would you go with? I'm going like Golden Retriever. I guess I'd want to go with something really fluffy to cover up my scars. Hmm. Because that way I wouldn't be freaked out by seeing myself all the time. But this is a dark thought. <laughs> is 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 it bad that when I was watching it, I was like, if I was him, I would just drown? Is that the thought I was supposed to have watching it? I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> like I was like, just knock yourself out, buddy. Just knock yourself out and roll into the water and just drown. Quick and easy. Just do it. Like I was making plans for his suicide while watching the movie. And that's that's a new movie experience for me. I feel like we're, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm still waiting <laughs> yes, for you. Just a little bit. I do. So I should explain what happens Please. in this movie. Well, to to start off, this movie came out in 2014. It stars Justin Long, Michael Parks, Johnny Depp, Genesis Rodriguez, and Haley Joel Osment. 
this movie was brought to us by Twitter. <laughs> um, as you alluded to earlier, after discussing this idea uh, called the walrus and the carpenter on his smodcast, Kevin Smith asked his followers to tweet hashtag walrus yes if they wanted it to be a movie and hashtag walrus no if they did not want it to be a movie. Twitter said yes. And here we are. So <laughs> supposedly, so I, I did a lot of research for this. I actually listened to the actual episode yeah. of Smodcast. And then I also watched the documentary that Kevin Smith was gracious enough to release last year. I think it was end of 2019 or September-ish of 2019. Mm-hmm. He uh, released a documentary as kind of like the five-year anniversary. One of the really funny things about it, though, is that he says, you know, uh, since everything in the world has turned to shit, uh, we wanted to release this as a kind of, I'm like, man, we are months away from everything. (laughs) You have no idea, Kevin, what is in store for us in like four or five short months. Oh, God. The, The podcast itself was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm, I'm again. I'm doing it though. We still haven't gotten into what the whole thing is about. How or have we? You, you set it well, up. How much do they? Because I didn't listen to it, the podcast. So how much do they get into it in the podcast to to explain this idea of like what will happen in the in the movie? Pretty. It's pretty similar. Like Teddy yeah. exists. That's what I like. Read was that it was. There's a lot of beats that were part of the initial idea. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I mean, there yeah. were different things like th- th- that one was more set in Brighton. I believe it was in the UK initially because mm-hmm. they kind of stuck with the locale from where the ad was actually published, which is okay. over in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, you know, jokes about British, a lot of British humor jokes throughout. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had one character. It wasn't Teddy. I'm now I'm blanking on the other character's name. Ugh. One guy just existed for exposition, which was very funny. And um, but yeah, I mean, from start to finish, the, you could see... The seeds of this whole thing just in that, you know, air quotes, pitch meeting between Smith and Mosier on the podcast. Yeah. And what's odd is though it, there were moments when it was laugh out loud funny. A lot of it was there was a lot of a cringe humor in it as well. Like this is really dark, but yeah. still kind of funny. So yeah. I'm I have a smile on my face, but I'm repulsed. It's like almost the entire like uh, 60 minutes or so that they discussed this potential movie project. And they run the pitch it to Bloomhouse. At the time, mm-hmm. and they actually had uh, some discussions about it, but it ended up falling through, and they went and uh, A24 released it. Yes. But yeah, it was really interesting after watching the film and listening to the podcast, seeing how everything really germinated from that initial thing. It's pretty close. I'd probably say 60, 65% transversed okay. into the film. Yeah. Uh, it's it's deeply upsetting. Um, I will say, just to interrupt you, because it's my favorite yes. thing to do, yeah. there is no Guy Lapointe. In the podcast. Oh, well. So there, there is that. Mm. And I remember, it's, mm. I do remember our last episode when I had mentioned to you <laughs> that there's going to be something outside of the weird horribleness that is Justin Long's character being turned into a human walrus. Yeah. There is an odd event that pops up in this film where you're going to be like, wait, is that, what is happening? So did you have that impression? Because that was my impression when I watched this film. After about a minute and a half, I'm like, is that Johnny Depp? Once again, I I did zero research before watching. Smart. That That's how I like to do it. If I can, if, if there's something I can go in blind to movie-wise, hell yes, I'm doing it. I want to mm-hmm. then know everything about it afterwards, but I love to go in blind. 
I don't want to know the Rotten Tomatoes score of anything before I watch it. I don't want to know what someone thought. I don't want to know what hashtag film Twitter says about anything. No, I want to, I want to live in a vacuum. And then once I've seen it, then I want to know everything. So I did that with this one. My only context for this movie was when it came out, all the podcasts I was listening to at the time, back in 2014, had ads for this movie. And they were like, you'll never believe what happens. And I was like, no, I won't, because I'm not going to see it, because it sounds <laughs> fucked up. And that is all I knew. That plus the poster is all I knew. And yeah. Uh, so it is a good every- poster. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good poster. I, I liked that. I, I think that worked. But watching when when his character shows up, I just sat there for a second and I'm like, yeah, no, I could I could pick that voice out and literally any time. I was far too obsessed with him when I was 17 <laughs> to not know that voice in an instant. And I was like, well, this makes me feel strange. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, let's let's do this. Let's stay here. What if the rest of the movie could just happen in this burger restaurant? Please, can we just stay here? I don't want to go back. And uh, that's that's pretty much how I felt once we got to that part. I'm still talking around what actually happens in the movie Mm -hmm. because it freaks me out so much. I think we have given up context clues and I think I've mentioned exactly what happened. So yeah, yeah. But how it happens is the upsetting part. I'll pick up the ball and run with it. I'll I'll help you out on this one because clearly you're uncomfortable. (laughs) I hate it so much. So Justin Long plays Wallace Brighton. As he said, he's a podcaster along with Haley Joel Osment's character, Teddy Kraft. And the whole thing is their whole podcast is called the not end of first word c as in see something party the not see party and the whole thing is that they'll watch really disturbing videos and then justin's long character will go out and interview the person who is involved in said video he also is a struggling failed i guess comedian who then found this podcast idea launched it and now is pretty successful Mm -hmm. so he goes to interview this poor guy who cuts off his leg with a sword, reenacting a Kill Bill scene. And when he gets there, he's in Manitoba, uh, though I think they shot the whole thing in North Carolina, South Carolina? One of the Carolinas. That'll offend all the Carolina people. Sorry, folks. I have (laughs) nothing but disdain for the Carolinas. It's fine. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. I've been to both uh, of the states, and and they are beautiful. Big fan. Big fan. (laughs) So he gets there, and the the Kill Bill kid takes his own life. He's really so upset about it. And now he's stuck in Manitoba and he's trying to find somebody to talk to to make his trip worth it. And he stumbles across this ad, this handwritten note tacked up at a urinal in this bar about this guy who's lived this interesting life. You heard a little bit in the trailer. So he goes to interview him. And this guy is obsessed because he was trapped on this island for three years. And though in the movie, it's different. I should say that's the podcast version as he's trapped on the island for three years. And this the film, he's rescued by a walrus right from a sinking ship. No, I think he does spend time with the walrus, doesn't he? That's they the whole do, point. They hang out for a while. <laughs> He's obsessed, basically, with recreating this. And then I think at some point, he has to consume the walrus to survive. Yeah. And I think he's impacted or inflicted with his guilt by doing that. So he's trying to recreate mm-hmm. Mr. Tusk mm-hmm. for who knows what else. I'm sure if there's a sexual anger here. I think Smith hints at that a little bit it's every now and then. It's almost strange that there wouldn't be. <laughs> given what we're dealing with. Like, I was like, but he's, he's not going to fuck the guy when he's a walrus. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? I'm so what are we doing here? Kevin Smith, like, go all the way, man. <laughs> Especially Kevin Smith. Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> so 
this horrible stuff is happening to Justin's along Wallace Bright. And in the meantime, we find out that his girlfriend, played by Genesis Rodriguez, which I think is one of her earlier roles, uh, yeah. is actually having an affair with Teddy, Haley Joel Osment's character. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you a lot. I don't even need to watch the movie by the time I'm done telling you. And Honestly, I wish I could have done this. This is better for me. <laughs> <laughs> because Long Wallace Brighton cheats on her all the time while he's on the yeah. road. He's, he's a real piece of shit. They do. I think Smith does a relatively good job of revealing that as the film plays out. It starts yeah. off as he's all right, affable, funny guy, a little bit of an ass, but he's okay. Mm-hmm. But the more we see of him, his interactions, when I guess when Genesis Rodriguez's character first shows up, he's a real dick to her. Uh, and then it just keeps kind of snowballing from there. He's able to get his phone. He calls them. Of course, he doesn't get the call until the next day. They think something's wrong. They go up to Manitoba to find out. They have some hilarious adventures. They meet up with Johnny Depp's rogue cop Gila Point, yeah. and they try and uh, track down Justin Long's character before it's too late. Before mm-hmm. either A, he's dead, or like uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. says, you never go full walrus. <laughs> and that's basically the conceit of your film, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So how does he... And, I, and he, I mean Smith. Yes. The whole thing is he's making a goofy, wacky horror comedy. Right. Now... For me, I think the guy working in this medium today who does the best work is probably Edgar Wright. I think Shaun of the Dead met balances, though it's more comedy than horror. I but love that movie so much, though. Comedy horror films are very, very hard to pull off. Yes. So how does Smith handle the tones in this thing? In my opinion, he handles it by just deciding scene to scene which type of movie it is. Mm. And... I did not enjoy that experience <laughs> because the beginning of this movie, once Justin Long gets up to Canada, it feels like quiet and ominous and very unnerving. Even when he's in the bar, I'm like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Like he's in the bathroom just reading the ad and I'm like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? <laughs> and that's good. Good job, filmmaker, because nothing happens. Like you've just created this environment that makes me uneasy as a viewer because I can feel like something bad is going to happen. I get it. Like this is this is the right thing to be doing. Then it's like, ah, uh, it's really awful and creepy. The stuff that happens when. So I'm confused just generally as a viewer. Why didn't just take like the one leg at first? <laughs> I'm just going to sound like a dummy. Howard doesn't know that Justin Long is an asshole and like helped cyber bully a kid who lost a leg into suicide. So he doesn't know about the irony of taking his leg. So why did he take his leg? Well, he's going to. He's going to take them all at some point. He's an older guy and he's got to work his way through it. That bugged me. I was like, I wish he knew he was a dick. And then I could be like, oh, yeah, you got him one. Okay, cool. Plus, you have that great scene when, when, and I I do think it's a good scene when Long's character wakes up not realizing his leg is gone. But while he's groggy and starting to wake up, you have Michael Parks polishing the bone his that no i didn't put this together honestly until this rewatch i think i just totally didn't think about it when i first watched it when i you know back in 14 but that's long's leg bone that's his femur or tibia whatever it is and he's he's kind of sharpening it or 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 shining it up to be one of the tusks and that's a that's a chilling scene i'll give it to smith on that one yeah so all of this feels like it goes together and then I feel like there's just this massive tonal shift when Johnny Depp shows up and also Wallace's full walrus. Then I'm like, well, this isn't scary anymore. Now this is just weird and strange and like 
Michael Parks does not change what movie he's in the entire time. Mm-hmm. But like the movie changes around him and makes him less scary. And I feel like it kind of became something different, which I personally enjoyed more the last part of it because I was like, oh, well, I can breathe now. I'm not mm. I'm not grossed out and uncomfortable anymore. Now I'm just like chuckling a little. And it felt like a, it was a welcome release for me. But that's because I'm freaked out by the, all the stuff that happened before. I can't imagine watching this in a theater. I did. Well, did you look around at everybody and go, hey, this all changed, right? Like, did you? Did you have? Because I watched it by myself, and you know, my dog didn't have a lot to say about it. So I just was like, "All right, well, this is a different movie. This, this yeah. is different." Well, that was one of my big contentions with the film initially, and even still today, is the tonal shifts. It doesn't. Yeah. You're right. He doesn't really balance things well. It's just more of a breakneck. Oh. All right, now we're going to shift to some goofiness with Johnny Depp. All right, now let's go back and. See yeah. Justin Long being tortured for about three minutes. All right, now let's shoot over to Haley Joel Osment and his mm-hmm. goofy adventures with Genesis Rodriguez. You know, it's it doesn't really do a good job with that for the most part. I think what Smith is going for is he's... Well, he says, too, in the commentary... Not in the commentary, but in the documentary, you know, this is his little independent kind of goofy film, a movie he just wanted to make that didn't have any religious under overtones, any sexual stuff, anything like that, right? It was more just... Him going out and making a film. In the documentary, he says over and over again that this is some of the best stuff I've ever shot. He's really proud of this film as he's making it. I can feel that. It doesn't feel like propaganda for me, like he's trying to sell Mm -hmm. something. Plus the fact that this documentary didn't really come out until a long time afterwards. Yeah. But there's a, when you listen to him, there's like a level of acceptance from him that I think is interesting. Because previously, when he's still shooting maybe to be a larger force... Like he was with Zack and Miri that mm. didn't shake out. He seems now to realize basically that and he's always been self-deprecating. Like, oh, I don't know how to shoot a film. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But there yeah. seems to be more of an acceptance. Like, I make these small little independent films for myself and for my fans. And if people like them, great. I know he does kind of lip service to that stuff previously. But that always seemed to me to him to be trying to convince himself of, of that's what he really wants. That's really happening. In fact, that's exactly where he was. But this yeah. stuff, it seems maybe he's got to that point. There are things in this film that work for me that are very effective. And there is just some stuff that just doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what's scarier to me, if it's Justin Long's mustache or Howard Howe's old plot for the walrus. <laughs> I don't know. But there's a lot of interesting decisions in this film that Smith makes that I respect in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. he's not trying to make something big with this film at all. So, I don't know. Coming right down in the middle on this thing. I think it's better now than it was when I first saw it. Okay. I appreciate it more now. Yeah. It still don't know how, I don't know if I would necessarily say it's really good. So I feel like it's got good parts. <laughs> like that's a, a nice thing I can say. And it, and I realize again, like this movie is not for me. I don't like gross stuff. There are people who like that. They will like this more than I liked it. But I do think this is kind of interesting to watch the way I watched it, which is like, okay, I'm watching someone's career unfold instead of just, I'm going to go watch this weird ass movie. Like I'm watching it in the context of what does this mean for this creator? Like what's he doing here? And I think that's a very different way to watch it that probably made me more critical of some parts Mm -hmm. and like more impressed with other parts. I think it is kind of interesting that 
This is a $3 million movie. He's making like his little, I say a small amount of money, small amount of money in, in movie money, movie dollars. That's not much. So, you know, he's kind of settling into this thing. Like you said, um, as he says in the, the documentary, like I just make these types of movies and I'm not trying to like be the next anybody. I'm just trying to do my stuff and do what yep. I want to do. And I'm just going to try and do a good job of it. And I I don't know if maybe like this, because I don't know what's coming next with yoga hosers. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what's coming. I've seen the, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, but I don't know what's coming immediately next. I'm kind of wondering what the impact of his life trajectory had on this movie. Like he puts his kid and his wife in this movie because that's, it's Kevin Smith. That's what he does. Yep. This kid is actually like a functional human now. She's not playing like baby Bob in, you know, in a stroller outside of the gas station. Like it's not, she's a, she's a real person now. And we'll get more into that for the next one we're doing. But I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's like some level of responsibility of I can't just be like a dick when other people are relying on me. Maybe there's a little bit of that. Maybe. Yeah. I remember the headline. Was it back in? Was it Chasing Amy? I think it was post Chasing Amy. I think it was a premiere. I'm not even sure where they called Kevin Smith the, possibly the next Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And <laughs> I wonder if that's always weighed on him a bit. I don't know. It's weird because I feel like with Kevin Smith, he's one of those artists where he's like the Eagles in some capacity. Like the football team or the band? The band, I should say. <laughs> but basically, really anybody. I, I'll, meant, I'll explain why I said the Eagles in a bit. But, but really, it, I feel like a bad fan because I'm one of the guys with Kevin Smith is I want to see him do what I want him to do. And yeah. when he, which is, of course, your kind of pseudo raunchy talky comedies. That's yeah. his wheelhouse. Yeah. And when he expands, which I appreciate, I'm always up for yes. artists, musicians, whoever, doing difficult, difficult new things that may sometimes fall flat. I'm looking at you, Queen's Hot Space album. But it's still, it can be, because. but then there's people like, you know, Don Henley, who says of the Eagles, he would say, listen, when people come to see us, they want to hear the songs that are on the records. So they work really hard to make their live shows sound exactly like the song is on the record, which I think can be artistically stifling. I feel bad because I want Smith to keep doing these things. But when he does venture out, he does branch out. They're not as successful, unfortunately, as mm -hmm. particularly some of his older work. And now is it that or is that the issue where he's respectfully flamed out? Yeah. It's tough for me to kind of figure out where where we are, where we're going, like what's happening, because I think I said this like the last couple of episodes even is that like it's cool that he's branching out, but he's mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. getting any sort of assistance. He's like, no, 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 I can do this. And, you know, sometimes he can't. And it's frustrating for me that he won't like work with someone who can help him out a little bit. There's no shame in that. But I guess it it is better than just like blindly not trying to grow at all i'm trying to be positive about it because i feel like i just keep complaining about his movie that's interesting that may be an outside force like i'm gonna go to another musical group two of them actually uh hart and aerosmith so they were uh -huh. both basically out of gas in the early 80s late 70s early 80s and their record labels basically brought in songwriters to help them like diane warren or um oh, i'm blanking on the other guy's name Oh, it's killing me. He wrote like half of Aerosmith's and Bon Jovi's biggest hits. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy, whoever your name is. 
Drop but anyway, they revitalized those groups. Basically said to heart, yeah. you need to stop writing your own songs. Let people come in and write for you. And I, now I don't want to lose that, but you're right. I think somebody coming in in some capacity may yeah. spark him. Yeah. Because listen, if in my heart I want him to make keep making these View Askew films, mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks, but Jay and Silent Bob reboot was not strong. I saw that in the theater and it felt, you know, just underbaked. And fan service, but really bad, warmed over fan service. Now, neither of us have seen Yoga Hosers, so we'll, maybe, who knows? Though the, Generally, the critical discussion on that is not good. What but if I love it? You could, and maybe I will, my too. my favorite Kevin Smith movie. And I like, I defend Cop Out. I think it's actually pretty funny. I enjoyed Red State. I think Tusk offers things. I think, I, yeah, maybe that, maybe you've hit on it that he just, we need some kind of muse for him. Pardon oh, the pun. <laughs> Stoochie boochies. But or if we need kind of, some, I don't know what it might be. That's interesting. I yeah. know that Swalbach had pushed him to make this film because he hadn't made a film in three years. Yeah. And she was getting worried, you know, about him. So she pushed him to make the film. And it's not bad, folks. Tusk is not horrible. It's a no. little tonally mi- mixed up, it has some issues. But I think it has good some good enough moments that I would, if you're a fan of horror, especially kind of body horror stuff, I yeah. would recommend it. I have some problems. Like I think the walrus suit looks fairly fake and very yeah. rubber. You it's know, why they, I felt better once we went full transformation. I was like, oh, it's not scary anymore. Yeah, no. That's, <laughs> that's, I think, possibly one of the biggest issues I had with it. But any time for me, the camera is focused on rest in power there, Michael Parks. Mm. I am riveted. I mean, the, what that guy is able to bring to the screen, as in Red State, and of course, Tarantino used him fantastically in mm. uh, Kill Bill. I, I love that guy. I always think he's really great because he's just an odd guy. And the way he's able to deliver mm. his lines and his words are just very interesting. And they kind of draw you in. And uh, I was always a big fan of Park. So he's one of the big standouts for me in this thing. The moment he just stands up at the table mm-hmm. is fucking terrifying and he's just standing up but like he's it's everything that he's built to that moment and he's just so quietly menacing oh my god he's so good yeah there's definitely things here that work and there's definitely things here like that i laughed at (laughs) like that i was supposed to laugh at uh not that i was just like not understanding there's funny moments things work it just doesn't come together completely and i actually had the thought so when, um, what's the girlfriend's name? I've already forgotten her name. Allison? Allie. Yes. Yeah. Allie, yeah. So when she and Teddy go up to Canada and they're looking for him and we know what's happened and they're, it's like a little bit montage of them like trying to talk to people and getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. I just had this thought of like, well, this could just end and this is a Black Mirror episode and that's <laughs> cool. But like they never figure out where he is mm-hmm. and we know as the audience that he is just stuck as a walrus now somewhere in some guy's weird basement pool. And they just go and they never find him. Nobody ever knows what happened to him. And that's that. And we know that it's like this greater story because it's like this insane person. And also he was a terrible person. They kind of got what was coming to him, but like way more than what was coming to him. Like it's, it's like a dark, scary TV episode, but then it just, it keeps going for like another 45 minutes and, and then that, honestly, that's the part I like more is the part that keeps going is the new movie that we get when Johnny Depp shows up. But 
I was like, well, this could have been like a really effective, sad, bummer, creepy, horror episode of something. Plus, Smith does want to give you that little twisted sense of relief by the end of the film. Sort of. Yeah. But I want to spend a few minutes and talk about Gila Point. Okay. Uh, well, good afternoon to you, sir. I am Gila Point, Sûreté du Québec. Oh, did you come here by a spider? I called the police two days ago because there's a big old spider in my body hole. Your body hole? <laughs> it's cheater! Oh, <laughs> oh I see. <laughs> so, so you have some sort of creepy crawler thing in your toilet box. <laughs> yes, he's a big old brown recluse. Yeah, they call it the hobo spider. Oh. And it's mean. I called the police. And the lady on the phone said to me, oh, we'll send somebody out in a few days. <laughs> so, of course, that isn't Guy Point is fresh on the trail of this weird serial killer. Yeah. And he actually runs into Howard Howe. But he does this little weird kind of unusual character guy and throws him off the scent, right? Which is, you know, listen, I'm terrified of Poseidon's just as much as an expert. <laughs> So let me ask you, what is Johnny Depp doing in this film? What is What decisions has he made, and why were they awesome? <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like he's just, I think he's just like, fuck it. I can do whatever I want. And it's kind of refreshing to see him just do whatever he wants and not, this is going to sound weird, but not in like a, I'm so above it all, I do whatever the fuck I want kind mm-hmm. of jack sparrow way but in a way that is like i don't know maybe 12 people are gonna see this but i'm committing to it like you can kind of tell that he's like this is for me like this this is for me my daughter's friend's dad asked me to do something and i was just like cool i'm just gonna do something for me because he doesn't care what i do like it's just i don't know it's so it's so strange that he's like this movie star just being a a french weirdo I'm trying to figure out how he got in the film. I think you're maybe that's what it is. Is maybe yes, that's that. how. Is okay. uh, Lily Rose went to school with Harley Quinn, and literally they're friends from school, and so he was able to kind of get in touch with them that way. And he was like, "I want you to do this." That was my like, assumption that it was somehow yeah. they knew each other in some capacity prior. Yeah. So another yeah, thing interesting like- too, thing too in that. Convenience store scene, which is a nice yeah. callback, I guess, to Clerks, which I mean, I'm getting ahead of ourselves a bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that that's what I read is how Johnny Depp came to be in this and that he was also like Kevin Smith told him like Michael Parks is doing it. And he was like, oh, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like that was he was like, I, w- I want to do something with him. He's great. I could see where that would be the clincher then. I like to, it's yeah. at some point I feel like Depp has he starts to slowly cross his eyes every now and then while he's talking, <laughs> which is weird. And he had, I like the interactions he has with the hamburgers. There's this weird yes. way he eats his food. I mean, there's a lot of odd decisions that he makes that I think fit in kind of with what Smith is doing. I just don't know, unfortunately, how successful in the end Smith is churning this thing out. But in regards to Guy Lapointe, I remember being like in the theater like, wait a minute, is that, what the <laughs> hell is happening? Yeah. Because I, I didn't yeah. know 
at the time that it was Lily Rose Depp was one of the, uh, you know, she was in the film or even who she was. So I, so I didn't know that Johnny Depp was going to be in this. So when I saw that convenience store scene, I thought that was, I knew that was Harley Quinn Smith, but I thought the other girl was Anna Sophia Robb. Because mm-hmm. honestly, she just looks like her. They, look, they have the, the same face, like big, these big eyes, blonde hair. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. She must have like just been coming up then. So sure, sure. I guess she'd be in this. And then... When he showed up, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's definitely his kid. That's got to be his kid. I love what he's doing. I want to watch a whole series of, uh, <laughs> of his adventures. <laughs> like, I want I want the prequel. I want more of him. I think the further adventures of Gila Point would be a franchise I would be interested in. That's true. I need to know. I, I, and honestly, this is something that they could come back to in, like, 10 years. Give me crazy old Gila Point. Like, keep going. Like, <laughs> this can be Johnny Depp's retirement plan. He keeps burning through all of his other money. <laughs> This could be a streaming series. I would watch the hell out of that. Heck yeah. <laughs> That'll get people to sign up to HBO Max or A24 yeah. Yeah. plus. Why not? I, so thinking about like that I just declared myself in for something that doesn't exist at all. That's how this movie started. And I think that's kind of the difference here between like the way I feel towards this movie versus the way I felt towards Red State is I mm-hmm. felt like Red State was he was like, I got this idea. I'm doing this fucking thing. This is what it is. It's great. I did it. Fuck you guys. I'm putting it out myself. Nobody gets me. I'm doing my own thing. Versus this was, hey, guys, what do you think about this? And everybody was like, yeah, that's cool. And he was like, okay, cool. I'm going to make this movie for you guys. And it just feels less like he's giving the middle finger to the industry and more like he's back to just being a... a weird filmmaker it's less aggressive it's less performative it's less like i don't need you i can do this it's like Mm. actually i i'm interested in what you think and uh we're gonna make this weird shit together yeah i think that's interesting i i would like to see him embrace that i guess maybe this is where we are now is he's going to just move forward with these kind of small little things and just keep pumping out content and uh, that would be I would be on board with that and would continue to watch his stuff. I would, I confess, would like the occasional Clerks 3 or something peppered in here every now and then. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, chasing Banky, I don't know. We could do something. <laughs> I know the Twilight of the Mall Rats is indeed happening, but I would still, yeah. Now, if you want to churn out these little suckers every, every three years, we get some, you know, I would, man, what? So that's a good question. What genre do you want him to tackle next? What would you like to see out of a Kevin Smith project? Uh, I would like to see him do something set in the past. Mm-hmm. I want mm. Kevin Smith to write like period dialogue. <laughs> I, I I go back and forth between like a murder mystery type thing. Yeah. Or really just to give him what I think would be his dream job. Just do a superhero film. I'm curious so, what he would maybe like Daredevil or reboot or something i'm on board with the murder mystery mm-hmm. here's my problem with the superhero thing is he cannot be solely responsible for it and he doesn't know how to not do that mm-hmm. like that is a project that needs collaboration and consideration and not just one guy just driving a fucking train regardless of anything else and unfortunately <laughs> that's his thing so that's my hesitation there is i'd love to see him like like he's directed episodes like tv shows like superhero stuff that's cool 
Because then he's not like just hijacking everything. I'd be interested to see him do some kind of superhero movie. But again, like I, I demand him to collaborate. I need him to be on a group project and like not just go, well, I'll just do this one part I can do myself without telling any of you guys. Like I need him to work well with others. I need it. I want to see what happens. Yeah, maybe a Disney Plus series, like a six episode miniseries of like, you know, the old Spider-Man villain, The Spot, or one of these weird kind of off kilter superhero supervillain things that, you know, that he can kind of just run with. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily need him to have a guiding hand with that if he's given something small just to kind of do something crazy with. Yeah. But I think if we're talking some big project, I say they said, all right, Kevin, here's Superman. I agree <laughs> with you entirely. <laughs> yeah. I really just want to see what happens when he has to play nice with someone. Just so curious. Well, you had Cop Out, which you didn't write, which you didn't particularly care for. No, I didn't. Uh, I mean, there are funny parts, but but yeah. I I hope that there would be better results than that. Same. I'm being optimistic. (laughs) Good for you. I always consider myself cautiously pessimistic, so it's good. You're a good balance for me. (laughs) I, I do enough complaining about, honestly, like the past like five movies, all I've done is complain. So I'm trying to be trying to see some good. I think so. Here's part of my problem with mm-hmm. what we've been watching mm-hmm. is um, I really I think I've been approaching this all wrong and I've been watching these movies sober. And I think <laughs> it's been a huge mistake on my part. And <laughs> like, like, I think I think it's honestly I think it's my fault. Like, I think I'm not seeing them the way they were intended to be seen, which is through a cloud of smoke. And uh, <laughs> I think that's what my problem is. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> for Jane, Sam, and Bob, we both make a pact to have a couple pops and then uh, watch happen. it and see how it goes. <laughs> it seems to be the way the art was born. Perhaps it is also the way the art should be received. <laughs> oh, whoa. We're talking about two different things then. Here, okay. <laughs> I sadly have never, I don't know if I should say sadly, I've never partaken in anything like that. Mm-hmm. And at my advanced age, I have like no drive <laughs> to do it. Yeah. I mean, I could, you know, maybe take some Advil PM with a beer and Ooh. see what happens. But. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that sounds like a nice, like NyQuil and whiskey. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do not want to fall asleep watching Tusk. I feel like that's not good for my brain. No. No. So you got anything else you want to bring us home? So I bet. Because, like I mentioned, the movie made or the movie cost three million dollars to make. It made mm-hmm. one point eight in its theatrical release. I bet you the Patreon for the podcast has covered the rest of it. Oh, like, very likely. Specifically, just like people being like, "Well, I want to hear that one one episode." I gotta like, I I think I think he's um he's hacked the system with how he's paying for for his movies. It's just like. Hey, if it works, it works. All right. right. So briefly, view askew connections here, briefly, because Mm -hmm. um, none of our our characters, which we haven't had a a recurring character in a hot minute, but we do have, as I mentioned, Jennifer Schwabach-Smith, Harley Quinn Smith for nepotism, uh, Michael Parks, Susan Redstate, he's back for talent. But this is the first in trilogy of interconnected characters and repeated actors playing different parts. We'll get to that. This is the True North trilogy. So we'll have Yoga Hosers next and someday Boost Jaws. Someday. 
reading his interviews where he's like, yeah, I'm kind of like doing this whole thing again. I'm like, oh, you're excited again. Okay, cool. You're yeah. excited. I mean, we'll get to the reboot when we get to it, but I get that. I, I get the, that he is like this renewed excitement for some things because of his kid. I, I feel like it's kind of the way that like, I'm not a parent, but I feel like it's kind of the way that parents with like little kids are like excited about Christmas again because like little kids are excited about Christmas. I think he kind of, uh, Kevin Smith got a little bit excited about, you know, the idea of like building up this thing again because he's, his kid is like a functional human at this age. She's like a real person. <laughs> yeah. And one thing too, I feel about the documentary, I, I get across, I mean, I'm just buying into it. But I really get across the feeling that he he is he like you say he's kind of maybe got the fire relit a bit. I think he's enjoying it stuff himself again with all of this stuff. Uh, particularly now, I wonder when we get into Jane Silent Bob reboot after his health scare, if yeah. that really also lit a fire under his hinder. And uh, I am, you know what? I'm gonna make a pledge right now: Ooh. is I will buy that Blu-ray of Jane Silent Bob reboot. So okay. I think we could rent it, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask for the two. Part of it is because right now on Amazon, it's basically under $9. Ooh, well then, yeah. <laughs> so, but I paid the seat in the theaters and I will pay to own it as well. I mean, why not? I own almost, I own pretty much everything else, right? I mean, so, and at this point you're committed. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just, listen, no matter how, we may sound pretty negative on here a lot of, for a lot of this stuff, but we wouldn't have chosen Smith as the inaugural season if we weren't fans of his work or at least exactly yeah so uh i'll always be rooting for the guy so yeah and i want to mention too i don't know if i don't i don't think you mentioned it and if you did i apologize and we can code it but kinky <laughs> kelly is in this one too oh i did not mention that so zach newtson who play, he actually plays hemingway Ooh. when we had the flashback with Ernest oh. Hemingway, he's hemingway. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i did not realize that so there you go oh. Delightful casting. I love it so much. Yep. Always happy to uh, see him show up again. <laughs> hey, fucko. We like to call it interspecies erotica. That was my boy, Kinky Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Curious lack of interspecies erotica in this movie. <laughs> Curious. No, I don't know. Maybe. There very well could have been. I I felt like it was just like pure platonic love. Could Mr. be. Tusk. Yeah. <laughs> let's say that you're correct and move on I, I mean i was waiting for it i was like well it's going there and you know it didn't clearly go there so oh did you also hear that the ad it was a hoax this whole thing was based on yes so i read that too which uh, so actually we came up in the documentary that smith actually ended up hiring the guy to be a producer on the, yeah. on the film but he, I guess he's what, a poet and a prankster in the UK, and he set the whole thing up as a gag. It spawns a film. His little gag in the news or this online site, it ends up being this whole interesting film. Yeah. Funny how yeah. life is. Never, I don't think he ever could have imagined that this would be the outcome of that. But it happened. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to do our picks? Heck yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm going to know what your answer is, but what is your favorite performance in this film? Oh, it's Parks. Yeah. I knew Hands down. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like we say, he brings a, a silent menace to this role that it's, it, he's the kindly old grandfather just looking for someone to talk to, waiting to strike. You know, he's the, he's the coiled cobra 
but he's you know, luring you in and it's uh, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun to watch. Though I will admit for a split second I thought about Guy Lapointe, but in the end I had to go with Parks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about that because that was my favorite performance. It just cracked me up. It relieved me from feeling upset and disturbed and um like I said, I want more adventures of Guy Lapointe. Ah. Uh, yeah, just had that the second slider you just had to have the second slider what was your favorite reference that we got in this particular movie i guess it's the fact that they stop off at the convenience store yeah as an homage to clerks the fact that's also his daughter uh the i hate americans it's a boot two hours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I'm always up for some good Canadian humor. Yeah, uh, that would probably be the, I guess, the reference. And there's the podcast angle that they inserted mm-hmm. that wasn't part of the original Smodcast because, of course, they can't. By they birthed that because of the podcast discussion that started the film. Yep. So I think that's a, a fun little reference too. But probably the convenience store in the end. Yeah. Um, mine is the line at the convenience store. How's everything at Degrassi? You get still getting knocked up and shot at. I <laughs> laughed out loud. I I love that line just because, you know, I love that Kevin Smith loves Degrassi, but also appreciate him referencing both Degrassi and Degrassi the Next Generation. Hmm. Representing Christine Nelson getting knocked up in high school and Jimmy Brooks getting shot in the back. Both very important moments in Degrassi Junior High. So love that show. Like like I love that show Never the seen way Kevin minute. Smith loves that show. It's it's a problem. <laughs> wow. All right. It is a problem. Um, the whole like series of episodes when he showed up as himself, I mm-hmm. was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah. He, he, he wrote himself a moment with, with Caitlin. Like he did it. He put himself in there. Yeah. You got to admire that kind of hustle. <laughs> so uh, favorite line. This has been like favorite joke in the past, but this is like, my favorite line is a line that I laughed at, but I don't know. What do you get? It's going to be, I don't have, okay. So (laughs) it's basically the, the, the part that I probably enjoyed the most was when Brighton is talking to the border agent played by Harley Mortenstein as Mm. he's coming into Canada. Hey there. Hey there yourself, uh, fellow facial hair aficionado. Yeah, not as good as you. My God. New Jersey, eh? Yeah, years back. Now it's uh, Los Angeles. A man torn betwixt devils and kings. Oh! Hockey. Yeah, you're damn right, hockey. Hmm. Don't really follow hockey. Okay. Hands off the counter, please. (laughs) Really? Yeah, really. Thank you. Sorry. 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 When you're visiting the Great White North of Canada, you got your can of do's and you got your can of don'ts. Top shelf right there, number one. Don't go telling a Canadian you don't follow hockey. <laughs> oh, of course. I should have known that. Makes him sad, right? Canadian doesn't get sad. Sadness was made by the USA. Oh, come on. What does that mean? Take off. It's true. Right there on our flag. It's right there when you look at it and you see past that sacred maple leaf. You know what you see? White wall. You see that in America, you may be red, white, and blue, but in Canada, 
You're red, white, but never blue, eh? Ever. Gotcha. That's actually, you know, I've never thought of it that way before. I always think of Canadians as just nice. Well, that right there is another kind of don't. We're not nice, we're optimistic. There's a difference. Right. And we're tolerant. Hmm. And we're hung like moose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Back to business then. What are you doing in Manitoba? <laughs> There's a lot of great little jokes in there that I, I yeah. so I don't really have one, but it's just that that basically scene and the interaction or he's you know, it's Canadians are optimistic. It's not that they're nice. And there's this a little back and forth. It's just it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. That was that was a nice interaction. I did like that. It was funny. <laughs> My favorite is Gila Point again. What was I saying? How have they been disturbed? In um, every case, the tongues have been ripped out. Oh, yes. It is one fuck of a bummer to look at, I can tell you that. (laughs) It is one fuck of a bummer to look at, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I cackled out loud. I immediately (laughs) ran to my computer to type it down. I was like, this is my favorite line. I know it right now. I was so amused with just the little, like, the (laughs) T-Rex. I loved it. The little performance of it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Show, don't tell. Or do both. <laughs> okay. All right. This is the hard, this is the hard part. Is um, the golden movie rating for this movie. So I would have given it initially probably two. What I should have done is listen to my discussion of it when we actually reviewed it for my other show back yeah. in the day you can actually yeah. it's on our site you just do a search for tusk it's from october 30th of 2014 Ooh. one we had a halloween special we discussed tusk annabelle delivers from evil wolf creek 2 and we did one of my favorite top fives ever best head explosions but <laughs> oh man so uh i'm probably though i'm like at two and a half three Right now with it, I'm probably, and if I'm, I'll say three. I'm feeling generous today. Okay. So this is, this is my caveat for this is on Letterboxd, I am on Letterboxd because I'm bored. I gave it one out of five stars because I was like, gross. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But in the context of golden movies, in the context of this is Kevin Smith's career and like we're deep diving on this person and we're it's it's not just what do I rate this movie it's what do I feel about this movie on a scale of our own developing entirely yes. for his movies exactly so I'll bump it up to a two for that look at you <laughs> nicely so like done. at large one out of five stars golden movies though two. Yeah, it's well. It's, everything is within Smith's yes. over. That's yes. our criteria. Yep, that's that's the uh, exchange rate of stars <laughs> to golden calves. <laughs> <Eight>. <laughs> it fluctuates though, day to day. You got to keep an eye on the rates. That's true. You never know yeah. what's going to happen. It's, it's tough. All right. Did we miss anything? Do we forget anything deeply important? Not for me. I hit all my points. I feel like I covered all of my notes that I write in white and then highlight to read them back later. It's like a surprise to myself. <laughs> it's always good to be able to <laughs> give yourself a little thrill every now and then like that. I'm like, ooh, what did I say? I said, what now? Oh, that's that's insightful. That's um, really <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
That that was Tusk. Next is Yoga Hosers. Is this the first time we're watching one that neither one of us has seen? Yes. Ooh, this is exciting. This is uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, you can find Screen Run anywhere podcasts are found. Please give us a rating, write a review. You can follow me on Twitter at the Lady Juan and Chris at CG Scalzo. And you can check out screenrun.fun, the best website on the internet. We gotta make this like good shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh for for anything you could possibly want to know about our insight and genius. I don't think I'm overhyping that at all. No, it's which it's ba- it's bountiful. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I'm underselling it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be curing cancer any day now yeah yeah after i watch all kevin smith movies there you go priorities yeah i gotta do what i gotta do podcast duty calls and remember folks you can reach out to us at screenrun at gmail.com next week though as we said it'll be yoga hosers we're almost That's done the end is in sight the light at the end of the tunnel though as they say we are still in the tunnel so uh we'll see how everything goes then In the meantime, everybody, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Hey, bye. This is the letter that he included on his page at Gumtree. You can read it, gumtree.com. Search Lodger Required PM Brighton. Okay. This might sound too good to be true. Hello. I am looking for a lodger in my house. I have had a long and interesting life and have now chosen Brighton as a location for my retirement. Among the many things I have done in my life is to spend three years alone on St. Lawrence Island. In Canada? These were perhaps the most intense and fascinating years of my life, and I was kept in companionship with a walrus whom I named Gregory. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting good, right? You're like, oh, I wonder where this is going. Never, never have I had such a fulfilling friendship with anyone Human or otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) And upon leaving the island, I was heartbroken for months. I now find myself in a large house overlooking Queen's Park and am keen to get a lodger. This is a position I am prepared to offer for free, no rent payable, on the fulfillment of some conditions. I have, over the last few months, been constructing a realistic walrus costume.